Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jason continues and says, He sits across from me in my empty restaurant, kind of lordly and sure of his insights, in a graphic t-shirt and an ill-fitting blazer, which... Okay, why is he making... Ill-fitting... I'm sorry. I had to stop for a second. He's just confident... Just a random... Like, his your blazer doesn't fit Sanderson. No, it's... He's it's throwing just everything like, out like there. All the little personal jabs he possibly can. Oh, man. How, how stupid of Sanderson to believe that he should have actual insight into writing in the fantasy genre being one of the most well-sold fantasy Wait a second, the hypocrisy of you going to interview someone for their insights and asking them questions are insulted insulted that he's giving you his insights. (laughs) Yes. What? Hey everybody, welcome back to Tudor Ramble, episode number 56. I'm your host, Austin. That's your other host. Gonna give my name? You remember my name this time? Is it, what, is it Dick? Yeah, that's, that's <sighs> it. Yeah, yeah that's it. That, that's his it. name. It technically is. So uh, Technically is. Now, if you are coming to this channel for the first time, I don't usually wear glasses, but this episode qualifies for some glass-wearing episode stuff. That's right. He doesn't even wear glasses when he drives. It's he really it's not should. healthy. I, I really should. I, really I am should. I'm very, very nearsighted. But Richard Dick came to me today, and he ran through the door saying, Listen, I forgot my car at work. I sprinted like a cheetah down the highway because guess what? There's this article that this guy named Jason Keene, he, uh, you know, don't go attack this guy or whatever, but I'm going to refer to Jason as we're reading this article. Yeah. But this guy from Wired, there's this Wired article that's going around that just came out today as of us recording this. And he titled the article called Brandon Sanderson is your God. And Richard told me this is a big hit piece on Brandon Sanderson, my true love. I honestly wouldn't even say it's a hit piece. Really? It's just more of a bullying session is what it is. It's just mean. Mean-spirited. It's just mean. Okay. That's all. It, like, a hit piece in, implies something of like just misrepresenting the truth or like digging up something and lying about. No, this is just mean. It's just mean? It's just mean for like 4,000 words. <laughs> so you you have read this full article? Yeah. I have not. So we're doing this podcast episode. It's going to be my first reaction to this. You're going to vent 
everything. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna vent with you because I assume I'm gonna have your same opinion. It's that bad, right? Yeah, it is. So we'll go over the actual article. The hit. I'm calling it a hit piece. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I will go over the hit piece. Then we're gonna review some Twitter responses and go over Brandon Sanderson's response himself. And at the very end of this episode, we're gonna talk about. It. You said something before we started this episode of hey. I'm going to mention this actually changed the way I think about our channel and like reviewing things in the future slightly. It, it, it did make yeah, you think I, about I, things. It allowed me to self-reflect a little okay. bit. Okay, so it, I, I can't wait to hear that. It's always good to see what not to do in life. <laughs> that Those are good lessons to learn from. It's like, you know what? I never want to be that. You know what? I just learned what not to do is wear glasses with headphones. I don't know how you do it. This is so uncomfortable. Life is hell. <laughs> how, do you, how do you do? Okay, this is going to be strange, but I need to be able to see, to read. So we're going to get into this hit piece, and we're going to break it down. I'm going to read rather quickly, and we'll react. And It, it is a long one, folks, okay. so buckle up. Buckle in. Uh, I'm ex- it's like I'm watching a movie except reading and with you. I, ho- I hope you guys are on a nice. real nice long drive listening to yeah. this. All right. Jason Keen wrote this article, Brandon Sanderson is your God. And the subtitle is, he's the biggest fantasy writer in the world. He's also very Mormon. These things are profoundly related. Okay, now here's the intro to the article. Most years, Brandon Sanderson makes about $10 million. Last year, he made $55 million. This is obviously a lot of money for anyone. For a writer of young adultish, never-ending, speed-written fantasy books, it's huge. By Sanderson's estimation, he's the highest-selling author of epic fantasy in the world. On the day of his record-breaking Kickstarter campaign, $42 million out of that $55 million, I came to Wired offices ready to gossip. How'd he do it? Why now? Is Brandon Sanderson even a good writer? Nobody had the first clue who or what I was talking about. Already with the often like adult-ish, never-ending, speed-written. A lot of qualifiers to set up, be like, you know. It's already a negative tone, like kind of dismissive of what Branson's work is. I I gotta say, it does not seem that mean-spirited yet. It'll get there. Okay. If it'll get there, because it, it see, I could see the seeds of something of nobody had the first clue of who or what I was talking or, or who, yeah. who or what I was talking about. I, I could see how he's starting to get a little bit of I'm about to dig in, but mm-hmm. just because of your opinion, I know it's gonna get bad. Yeah. All right, here we go. Then Jason continues to say. On the one hand, who cares? Sanderson has millions upon millions of fans all over the planet. It doesn't matter that some losers at a single magazine, even if it is a rather nerdier one, had never heard of him. On the other, the ignorance goes far beyond wired. As far as I can tell, Sanderson, who has been topping bestseller lists for the better part of the 21st century, has not been written about in any depth by any major publication ever. I called his publicist to confirm this, and the publicist said, well, we have a piece coming up in LDS Living, he told me. That LDS is Latter-day Saints. It's a magazine for Mormons. Now, Richard, um, a lot to break down there. What does he mean by has not been written about in any depth by any major publication ever? That's just false, right? Yeah, that, no, that's I've just seen, wrong. It's just wrong. It, here's the thing. I mean, for the most part, news newspapers are typically going to talk about, you know, the actual news, what's going on in the world. They don't cover fantasy books that often. It's just not that much of an interest. But in the fantasy world and in the places where that kind of stuff is discussed, yeah, of course he's talked about it all the time. He's a best-selling author. He had author. that CBS interview. He was on the he's... CBS interview. He was on. Um, he was talked about on the New York Times. 
not that he needs to be to be a good author, but just no, it's but just a wrong part, statement. Like, yeah. Why is he not talked about every single day? It's because his books have not been made are not being made in Hollywood right now. Yeah, and that's George the main R. Reason. George R. Martin has an adaptation. Yeah, J.K. Rowling has adaptation. So he, George R. R. Martin wasn't talked about until the adaptation, and it's just, just kind of how it is. Also, Sanderson is the biggest, most talked about fantasy author that doesn't have an adaptation of one of his books yet. I think mm-hmm. that's very easy to say. He's the most popular person who doesn't have an adaptation in fantasy. Yeah, right by far. By far. I mean, think about how like Stephen King. Like, yeah, Stephen King's a huge, huge author. Massive. How often do the New York Times actually talk about Stephen King? Probably quite a bit, but it's it is Stephen Not King. That, uh, they talk about him when his movies in the yeah when the, the, there's relevant it. stuff, right? Okay, anyway, let's okay. move on. <laughs> let's move on. Article continues to say, which makes sense. Sanderson is extremely Mormon. What makes less sense is why there's a hole the size of Utah where the man's literary reputation should be. Is it because he mostly writes fantasy, uh, so the snob-steering subliterary genre? But then so do J.K. Rowling, Margaret Atwood, and George R. R. Martin and their household names. Is it because none of Sanderson's works ha- has been adapted for the screen? Okay. Uh, well, he wrote three of the Wheel of Time books, and an adaptation of that series came out on Amazon Prime in 2021. Could it be, finally, because he's a weirdo Mormon, but so are Orson Scott Carr... Card, Ender's Game, Glenn A. Larson, the original Battlestar Galactica, and Stephanie Meyer, Twilight. Mormon. I mean, only Orson Scott Card is also a weirdo. Sorry. Trouble reading that end there because I couldn't stop but focus on the Wheel of Time thing that this paragraph is talking about. Well, okay. Right off the right off the bat, the Wheel of Time TV show covered a book that was not written by Sanderson. One. Two, Sanderson was not put in any of the marketing material for that show. Three, he wasn't really involved in any of the production they they sent him some scripts he gave his opinions and they ignored them all yeah, yeah no th- this isn't the real time you TV can't you show can't is say not at all related yeah, to sanderson you can't say that's a sanderson adaptation especially it's not no. a book he wrote exactly he didn't write he wrote the last three right and yes. parts of the la- the last two mostly the third to last a lot of jordan but a lot of Jordan was in all I mean, of them. Of a course. lot of Jordan's yeah. in all of it. He wrote. He wrote those three books. He, yeah. There's a couple scenes spread throughout that were written directly by Jordan. He kind of inserted for the most part. Got it. But no, the the last three books are his. Yeah. Sanderson does not have an adaptation of his book yet. No. There's none out there, and now, there if, will be. If by some miracle the Wheel of Time TV show gets <laughs> to the what tenth thirteenth season, then fine. Sanderson's been adapted to the screen. Right. I doubt it will get renewed for a third season, fourth. Yeah. It probably will get renewed for a third season, but my God, I can't see this show actually finishing. This is so strange, though, because this article is so far focusing on trying to call him like no one's talking about him, which... I mean, you could say no, maybe no one in their circle in Hollywood's talking, but I don't know. There's going to be adaptations, and he's a he's a very famous author. I just find it strange that the get go is going. Look at how unimportant this guy is. It seems like, but that. also it's it's something that's so strange is he's a big guy in fantasy. If this guy is not, if Brandon Sanderson is not up to your standard of importance in the literary genre, then. My God, who is at this point? I know it's it's just a strange start to this. Of I I didn't I didn't think this would be the go after. Like you could someone could be popular and you could say other bad things, but it's it's he's almost making fun of Sanderson because he and other colleagues 
hadn't heard of him. Well, also, I think there's a there's a hint of elitism here mm. that Brandon Sanderson is so popular with people. He fun he went on Kickstarter and got you know fifty five million dollars, the biggest Kickstarter ever. Yeah, bunches of people love his stuff. They go to his conventions. It's a full packed. Clearly, he's super successful because people love him, and yet. But the we, Hollywood elites, the, but us. the established elites uh, publications don't talk about Those him people enough. who do things like review books and movies in front of a camera with a microphone. Oh. <laughs> we are not elite. Not even. We're pretty but, far from that. But here's the thing. Are we hypocrites because we are, you know, we're, we're also those people that are going... Sanderson's book just came out and I rate it this like you're gonna see us making this video how we're praising Sanderson and then come out with a video next week of giving a book a 6.38 and saying why it doesn't have good enough prose for us so hypocritical probably <laughs> I have personal fun with it but you know it's fun but I hope we're not gonna be as mean spirited as he's gonna get into because it's still it still has not gotten too mean for me yet yeah well let's, let's keep going let's keep going okay Jason in the article continues to say Sanderson, when I eventually met him in person, meet him per- in person. So he met him in person. Yeah. Okay. So th- this this person, Jason, was with Sanderson and then wrote this article. Yeah. During the, basically during the uh, Kickstarter campaign, like it, after the Kickstarter went off, Wired sent Jason out to Sanderson. Okay. And he stayed with Sanderson. At his house. At his home. And then wrote this talk article. With, talked to his family for several days. Oh, too. boy. Okay. This is okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll continue. Sorry. I'll, I'll continue with the article. Sanderson, when I eventually meet him in person, makes versions of these excuses, plus others for his writerly obscurity. It's kind of fun to talk about until it isn't. And then that's when I realize in a panic that I now have a problem. Sanderson is excited to talk about his reputation. He's excited, really, to talk about anything. But none of his self-analysis is, for my purposes, exciting. In fact, at that first dinner over Flopsy Utah Chinese, this... Wait, sorry, 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 just... What? Why did he criticize the food? Just he just threw that in there. Just okay, that was a little, okay. You know, this, this may sound weird coming from us, but that's being real overly critical. It's he felt the need to throw in the flopsy. Utah, that that's just okay. All right. Anyways, continuing. In fact, at the first dinner over flopsy Utah Chinese, this being days before I'd meet his extended family and attend his fan convention and take his son to a theme park and cry in his baby. I find Sanderson depressingly story-killing lame. Okay, Rush, it's gotten mean. It's it's starting to get mean. It's, it's... So, I, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So he was with his family, his son, to a theme park, and is he saying his son cried in the basement or no, he cried in the basement? he cried in Sanderson's basement. <laughs> you know what? What I know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say right now. We'll continue This reading. is funnier <laughs> than... It's getting a little funny to me. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. The, this Okay. Here's the thing. I know we're talking about, oh, we shouldn't be... Me-, like, this guy's being mean. I'm going to be a little mean to Jason here. <laughs> I'm going to be the hypocrite. And, like, I, I think I'm taking a stance and saying that Jason fired first. And the mildest of insults. The mildest. Go mild. Okay. The fact Jason himself honestly just seems a little insecure. Mm. It he's really mm. really projecting a lot like the fact that 
I don't think this. He mentions himself crying several times in the process. Don't of spoil me. This. Come on, I, I want to get to the other parts of him crying. <laughs> okay, let's get back in and we'll count uh, again. It's All right. honestly sad. No, it. I I kind of pity the guy a little bit. It, okay, here we go. Jason continues and says. He sits across from me in my empty restaurant, kind of lordly and sure of his insights, in a graphic t-shirt and an ill-fitting blazer, which... Again, why is he making... Ill-fitting... I'm sorry. I had to stop for a second. He's just... Just a random... Like, his your blazer doesn't fit Sanderson. No, it's... He's it's throwing just everything like, out like there. all the little personal jabs he possibly can. Every sentence he could fit an insult, he's going for it. Oh, yeah. So the Chinese food, the Utah Chinese, which isn't Sanderson's fault, <laughs> and then, well, then I'm also looking their... at kind of lordly and sure of his insights. Yeah. Oh man, how how stupid of Sanderson to believe that he should have actual insight into writing and the fantasy genre being one of the most well sold. Wait a second, authors. the hypocrisy of. You going to interview someone for their insights and asking them questions are oh, insulted. So are insulted that he's giving you his insights. Yeah. What? <laughs> you, you are totally right to focus on that. Yeah. That is insane. You Why are ins- going to interview him and are stunned that the person you are asking questions is answering them. Yeah. Baffled. <laughs> is that not baffled? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> going on. Going on. So, <laughs> in a graphic t-shirt and in a fleeting pleasure, blah, blah, blah. Okay. What she says he wears because it makes him look professorial. It doesn't. <laughs> okay, again. It doesn't. He isn't. Unless the word means only believing everything you say worth saying. Sanderson talks a lot, but almost none of it is usually is usable, quotable. I begin to think this is what I drove all the way from San Francisco to the suburbs of Salt Lake City in the freezing cold dead of winter for, for previously frozen dim sum and freeze-dried conversation. This must be why nobody writes about Brandon Sanderson. Oh, poor you. What? Oh, uh, we're so sorry. You have to come on, come down from on high. (laughs) From San Francisco to the lowly Salt Lake City. Oh, poor you. I think this guy... You had to be... You were paid... They had to give you money to go on down to Salt Lake City, slumming it with the poor people. Oh, terrible. You know what? I think think we're getting a little bit into the inside of Jason here. He's throwing out so many adjectives. He might be an inspiring writer. He might be... He might be going to Sanderson... I, I, I want to point out, this yeah. is 4,000 words, and he struggled to write this in five months. Five months? Yes. Sanderson writes that in one day. It took to... him five months to write this 4,000-word article. Yeah, that Kickstarter was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. And, and he had all he had all that time to think about whether to send this as well. And post all this. that time to think about it, send it, come up with an idea. It took him five, five months to write. For, honestly, I think that's... That may be a little worse than George R. R. Martin. Honestly, I give credit to George R. R. Martin. I yeah. think he's written more in the past decade <laughs> than Jason has. <laughs> All right, moving on. That that was a that was a mean paragraph. I'm guessing it gets meaner more. Oh no. I, okay. We're gonna get progressively meaner toward Jason in this. I just know it. Oh, okay. Okay. Jason continues to say. He says. So recklessly, I say what's on my mind. I have to. His wife is there. His biggest fan. Always his first reader. Making polite comments. I don't care. Oh my god. 
Maybe nobody writes about you, I say to Sanderson, because you don't write very well. The world unfreezes. He agrees. It's not that Brandon Sanderson can't write. It's more that he can't not write. Graphomania is also, the... Also, I, I yeah. do want to point out... Go ahead. I, I had to go back up. What back does that up mean? There. Like, no, the fact that his very kind wife is there and just the... He says, I don't Making care. polite comments. I don't care. Maybe no. Maybe nobody writes because about you. Because write you don't well. write very well. What? One, how f- dismissive of it uh, of his wife who's being very kind there. And like, yeah. I don't care what you think. What kind of attitude is that? You're you're right to focus on that. I'm I'm just I guess I'm getting jaded to how mean he is. I didn't even see that as outrageous when it is. That's, that is that's an outrageous and mean <laughs> thing to say to someone. Like it's it's his wife. It's not even Sanderson himself. Right. You're making fun of Utah's food. His his uh his suit. What he's wearing and now his family. Not, oh, not really, oh not really his wife was fun, making but, polite comments. Yeah, I don't care. I, I don't care what she said. Okay. All right, buddy. What the hell? But again. He says, because you don't write very well, even saying this statement, I don't think when you hit a certain level of success as an author, I don't think that statement can be made. Like, it is tough to make the statement, you don't write well, when you have sold millions upon millions worth, and maybe there's an exception. Maybe there's one crazy, but come on, if you've made it that successful, it is generally agreed upon, you you are able to write well enough to have so many fans that that statement's just wrong. Like, yeah, on no, an objective it, level, wrong. Maybe he doesn't write the way you like. Maybe it's for a particular audience. But that's crazy. That's crazy to say. Yeah. So, okay, continuing. It's not that Brandon Sanders can't write. It's more that he can't not write. Graphomania is the name of the condition, the constant compulsion to get words out down as much and as quickly as possible. The concept of a vacation confuses Sanderson, he once said, because for him, the perfect vacation is more time to write. Vocation as vacation. His schedule is budgeted down to the minute, months out, to maximize the time he spends rather counter-ergonomically on the couch typing away. Most days, he wakes up at 1 p.m., exercises, and writes for four hours. Break for the wife and kids, then he writes for four more hours. And after he plays video games or whatever until 5 a.m., a powerful sleeping pill is all that works finally to get him and all the voices in his head to shut up. And are you kidding me with this, Richard? I'm sorry to cut you off, but did he just praise Sanderson for having hard work, finding time for his kids, and then relaxing at the end of the day for doing what is his passion and then spending time with his family. Also, is, is that how, that paragraph? How, how much? I just want to do some math d- here. D- d- first, am I interpreting that correctly? Oh, no, you're, I, you are. Okay. I also want to just okay. point out of, oh, the math? He, just, yeah. he can't stop writing. He yeah. just, he, he's so obsessive with it that he writes for eight <laughs> hours in the day. Oh my a work god! Day, a regular... he, he works for a full eight hours in a work day, and then the madman, and then enjoys time with his family. Honestly, he must be. He's just insane. For viewers watching now, sorry, this is going to be a long episode, but we're having fun. I hope you guys are. Richard, yeah. you, we're going to keep going deep into this. Oh no, so. we're, yeah, we're keeping it. Going. Uh, we, we've the time limit's going well beyond what we've estimated, but get strapped in. We're going to keep going. All right. Now Jason continues to say. In the five months or so, it has taken me to sit down and write this magazine story, which is 4,000 words long. Sanderson has published two books. During the COVID lockdowns, he wrote and or edited seven. 
two for his regular publisher, a graphic novel, and four more in secret, telling no one but his wife until he surprise announced a Kickstarter in March 2022 to crowdfund their publication, hence the 42 mil raised in a month, by far the most successful Kickstarter ever. Since his debut, Elantris, in 2005, Sanderson has published 30-plus books, the biggest ones in excess of 400,000 words. There are four more if you count the novellas and graphic novels and stuff for kids. I've read 17 of the actual books. Okay, we need to talk about that. Or maybe it's 20. Exactitude is pointless here, as the major books are all set in the same universe, which Sanderson calls the Cosmere. They're all but meant to blur together. No. So he read 17 of his books. I call bull. He read seven... I, there's there's a later part in this article that I think pulls that okay. heavily into doubt. Okay, I, when we get there, notify and note yeah. it. But I'm very surprised that someone, if you've read 17 books from someone, generally speaking, you're a fan. Well, I think he had to for this article. He, so, he did it for this article. But if you had to read someone's books for an article, I imagine it's not 17. You stop at like five or six. 17? Like, you're liking it at that point, right? Why would you read 17 of them? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I I, that, I don't know. Okay, that, that's just very confusing. You've either read... Well, no, se- I, I think he's lying. He's either lying or... I, I don't know how that math works at all. He was either forced to read that amount or he lied. Okay, and maybe of that 17, it's like his graphic novels he's counting. There's a, there's so a later forth. point that I, I will okay. actually interject that kind of... A little bit of evidence to show that he hasn't read the book. Okay, we'll, we'll get there in the article. Okay, he, Jason continues and he says this. Most will hear this and think, at that rate, none of the words could possibly be any good. They'd be right, in a way, and that's what Sanderson agrees with. At the sentence level, he is he has no great gift in English prose. The early books especially. My God, here's a sample sentence. It's going. It, it was going to be very bad this time. Another one. She felt a feeling of dread. There's a penchant for redundant description. A city is tranquil, peaceful, quiet. Many things from buildings to beasts are enormous. Dark places are thesaurically are caligonous. I don't I actually don't want to say that. <laughs> it's like, that's a good word. <laughs> On almost every page of Mistborn, his first and probably most beloved series, a character sighs, frowns, raises an eyebrow, cocks a head, shrugs, or snorts, sometimes all at the same time, sometimes multiple times a page. I count seven books in which one of the characters frets about their metaphors. I have trouble with metaphors, one literally says. Of his own work, Sanderson has said, I detest writing. I write I, for and, I detest rewriting. Oh, sorry. I detest rewriting. Yeah, very, very sorry. He does not detest writing. Uh, so Sanderson has said, I detest rewriting. I write for endings and I write to relax. It shows he writes by one metric at a sixth grade reading level. His children books are at a sixth grade reading level because that's what is appropriate. And okay, I'm the first one to say, like when we talk about it in reviews, his prose isn't my favorite. It's not. Like, I I personally, like, if I have to rank it, sure, it's not the thing he's best at. And clearly that's not his intention. He wants to make it a bit more easier to read. It's not supposed to be this kind of artistic poetry thing that you would see someone like Rothfuss, uh go into. But to say off, like, that alone makes it bad writing is kind of insane to me. And- he doesn't think about how actually... A lot about writing is the characters, 
the description of the world does the world feel realized does it pull the emotions of the characters do the fight scenes are they exciting what does it pull from the reader and it's like oh and, and then he takes individual sentences very very out of context it's like oh yeah she felt a feeling of dread awful sentence terrible that sentence should never be written in a book he takes that sentence out of how many millions of words and sentences has sanderson written out of context like you said and just tosses it in there like it's horrible well i'm just reading that sentence what's wrong with it she felt a feeling of dread okay his How characters, is that poor? His characters sigh and frown like a normal freaking human. Like, you can't say those words? And in our past reviews as well, we've reviewed many Stormlight books, talked about Sanderson a lot. We've talked about his prose. And I love his prose, not because it's poetic. He makes it specifically easier, easier to read, digestible. It's at a young adult level for most of his books as well, and yeah. adult level. They are not childish. I, You can't give this to a... a a sixth grader and expect them to read a Stormlight book. No. You can't. But even so, he does have children's book. He has younger younger books as well. He has a range and his prose, he's both he has quality at a great quantity as well. He's able to write very quickly, super efficiently and it's wonderful because I find myself when I'm reading his books I never have to reread a sentence. I never have to go back and wait, wait, what was that? What was that? Sure, he has some fantasy terms that sometimes you have to get used to and builds and the world. There's also the the inside joke for, uh, I noticed a little yeah. thing there, but she won this. Jason didn't kind of comment on more of the inside joke for Cosmere fans is yeah. the raised eyebrow thing. In Mistborn, he, Sanderson does do that. It's almost like a little joke that once you notice uh, Sanderson writes uh the character raised an eyebrow quisitively. Yeah. He does that frequently. And then once you notice it, it's hard to not notice it being done frequently. But that's an inside joke. Like, okay. Oh, that, that totally makes it bad writing. That's stupid. It's an attack on the prose for being too simple at times. And that- the thing is, that's honestly the most valid point Jason has. Fine. It, it's not the most complex prose. Well, here's the thing. It's not for you. Okay. That's his point. He's saying it's universally bad now. It's look, my he literally says, "My God, here's a sample sentence." It's okay, Jason. All right. No, it, it just comes <laughs> off as very elitist, which yeah. I know is ironic coming from me. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, Jason continues by saying, "Here's where I'll stop using. Here's where I'll stop using Sanderson's words, written or spoken, against him. It's not fair." He's simply not, I'll say it again, very quotable. I spent days with the man. I watched his YouTube videos, made a dent in his podcast empire, most of it incredibly about writing. Um, I do want to stop for a second and say, hey, Jason, uh, if you're watching our podcast, uh, give us a review and comment down below. Let us know what you think. I- I'd be curious how you review us. And imagine, oh, that would be great. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, podcast empire, most of it incredibly about writing. Jason continues. Like his books, it all blurs together. I typed some 40 pages of notes for this story, and who knows how many pages of transcripts the AI spat out when I fed it to the many hours of recorded audio. Now that I'm writing, I find I'm referring to none of it. Possibly this is the influence of Sanderson himself on me. Graphomaniacally, get thoughts down, have fun, write for the ending. I'll continue. Uh, there's nothing, let's not comment on yeah. that. Yeah, there's too much. Uh, so I will. 
This story has an ending, I promise, and I'm sprinting toward it as if uh, as if to a vacation, like the best of Sanderson's endings. My ending should surprise you because, you see, Sanderson actually did say one thing to me, one miraculous thing that stuck that I remember these five months later with perfect clarity. Just seven words, but true ones. You are not ready for them just yet. You need more story first. For now, there is only Sanderson, both wordful and wordless, the best-selling writer no writer writes about because Writers only know how to talk about words. Sanderson's readers loving Legion care about something else. Holy crap. What? <laughs> Holy crap. He's, it's it, so this is, a, this is also a paradox by saying no one, write, you know, writers don't write about him as I write about him as well. It's just, it's just, it's just so elitist and so pompous. And for someone so uninteresting, he made a very lengthy article about how interesting Sanderson, the visit was. I know he's. I know he's hired to do this and go out and I, write an article. I actually have about a Sanderson. theory on why he went this direction. Why is that? And we'll get into later. He couldn't find an angle for this story when he was interviewing him. Oh. There was nothing. He couldn't find anything juicy. Like there was no horror story. Like Sanderson writes because he wants to conquer the trauma of his childhood. There's no. It's just. A guy that likes to write and enjoy loves making, it and loves, loves his, his family, loves, loves what he's fa- doing. But there's not enough drama or dirt in that story, and so the only thing he could think of is just make it mean. And in all honesty, hey, it worked. We're reacting to the story, which is honestly what Jason wants. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm having I, a good time. I, I think the only to a little bit. I think he was probably bored with Sanderson because he's a snob. And the only thing he could think of to make an article about was to be mean. I wonder if he gets into as well. Is there something that happened there that made him angry at the family? Let's keep reading because I'm, I'm baffled still. All right. Jason continues by saying, 10 seconds to go until the launch. The lights are flashing, the music thumping. This is sick. Someone whispers, whispers behind me as a Cosmere's worth of nerds count down the remaining sections. At zero, an enormous applause. Then the VP of merchandising and events walks out. This is Dragonsteel 2022, the annual convention for Sanderson's worlds and works. At the first one the year before, 1,200 fans showed up. At this event, a two-dayer November, attendance is closer to 5,000. Even though this con is being held in the biggest venue in downtown Salt Lake City, the Salt Palace Convention Center, fans are turned away from panels left and right. The first morning, I was panting by the time I reached the end of the line. Down multiple city blocks, abutting stony Mormon Gothica, some 7,000 people are expected for Dragon Seal 2023, the VP of Merch and Events tells me later, and in, in 2024, the year Sanderson plans to release Book 5 of 10, the Stormlight Archives, his biggest franchise, the one with the 400,000-word book, a full 12,000 people. The Dragon Seal planners will need to think bigger. Okay? So, so far he's just saying he's popular, he's getting more popular, and I'm I'll noticing... I'll be honest... It seems like he's trying to stretch the word count of this article. Just a bit. <laughs> he and I, I don't know if he throw threw this word in here as a, a connotation or a, as a negative thing, but him saying Cosmere's worth of nerds countdown. To me, that's not much of a connotation. I don't know if he intended it to be of like these nerds because he also called himself themselves ner- a nerdy. This is article wild. As well. Yeah, it's only nerds there. I I don't know if do you think his intent there was to be insulting? Yeah, you it, think so? Every single thing in here is meant to be insulting. Okay, 
at, just at, off at the a tone. Certain, no, at a certain point, you just have to assume, like, was that an insult? Yeah, he meant Probably it as an insult. Probably was, right. Okay, okay. Now, Jason continues by saying, for now, the fans, even the turned away ones, are an unconquerable spirits. As as is typically the case at these things, there's a general air, warmish, body-odored... <laughs> of unself consciousness by my rough count some three quarters of the attendees are men boys men boys blurring together in a mass of pale fleshy nerdery and scent that answers that question that i just had by the way yeah definitely means it all is an insult he's just going off so i'll 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 say that sentence again Jason says, boys, men, boys, blurring together in a mass of pale, fleshy, nerdy, and Sanderson-appropriate graphic tees. The women, fewer in number, tend to be the better cosplayers. Lots of billowing cloaks, uh, spiritly makeup, makeup, precious weapons. There's an arena for refereed fights. If you don't come prepared, never fear, because the sprawl of purchasable Sander... Nelia is endless. Art, clothes, figurines, games, jewelry, ornaments, special edition books, a letter opener, not available yet, in the style of a telepathic sword named Knight's Blood. So, again, just making fun of people. It, even his fans. Yeah. Like, it, so, not just making fun of the author. Like, hey, I don't like your stuff. I don't like that you love writing. And I don't now like the people that I'm gonna, also I'm like gonna your make, writing. Yeah, I'm going to make fun of the, your food. I'm going to not care what your wife says. I'm going to make fun of your clothes. And now I'm going to make fun of people that also like you. All right. No, All right. It, it honestly just reeks of kind of the 80s, the 80s type thing of, oh, how dare you like a thing? Don't you know that that thing is stupid and lame? Stop no, liking the thing. The only bad thing is when he calls his fans like warmish body-odored men boys. Like, we are body-odored men boys. He's right about us. But generally, there's other good Sanderson fans out there. He just It's like he was describing me, and I was like, damn it, he got it. <laughs> All, right. All right, so continuing on. Jason says, I talk to as many of the fans as I can, some in their teens, others in their 60s, from here to in Utah, and as far away as India, Norway, Australia. They're sweet. Oh, there's a compliment to his fans. All right. I think the first one so far. <laughs> many of them have been reading Sanderson since the beginning, since Elantris. A teenage girl announces, I'm here basically because I'm a huge nerd. Everyone is smiling, sharing info, and panel gossiping. One guy from Massachusetts tells me he just spent... $170 on a rubber sword. Not Nightblood. This one is called Myalaren. It's bigger. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's bigger than he is. He won't be able to take it on the plane home. Another guy, 41 years old, tells Which, me. By the way, he's shipping it home. He bought it. it shipping yeah, it, yeah. He's not buying it for the event and not using it. He buys it and then he ships it home to him because yeah, it's it makes too sense. big. I, I've done that but with things. Yeah. I know. It's just. Doesn't mention that. I think he's trying to imply that, oh, he bought he $170. Stupid. He's trying to call him stupid or something? Well, <laughs> bought it just for the event. He can't even take it home. Oh, it should be home. Right. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's bigger than he is. He won't be able to take it on the plane home. Another guy, 41 years old, tells me he made his sword Firestorm. They all have names. <laughs> yes. Yes. They, they should, as they should. It's Firestorm. <laughs> they all have names himself. It took more than a year on and off to design and then six weeks to 3D print. I see a young couple with very young kids. Are you indoctrinating them into this fantasy land? I ask, gesturing to the stroller. Trying to, the dad says. Okay. Like, I could see a dad joke around me like, yeah, trying to get my kids to love fantasy. See, the dad thought it was a joke. Yeah, dad joking t- around. Jason, I don't think meant it that way. Jason's going like, look, the dad's trying to indoctrinate his kids. The dad's just going like, yeah, getting my kids in the face. Yeah, that's right. Trying to indoctrinate them. Nah, little, nah, nah. You know, yeah. one of those dad jokes. Okay. 
Um, continuing, Jason says, the one question I ask practically everyone is, why Sanderson? I only need to ask it a few times to realize the answer is always the same. It's a two-parter. First part, Sanderson's characters. They feel like real people, everyone insists. Multiple parents say they've named their kids after their favorites, usually the princely protagonist who's, who've overcome depressions and triumphed chivalrically. Chivalrically. Let's let's sound it out, okay. buddy. Let's sound Chival- it out. Chivalrically. <laughs> Sh- broccoli, broccoli. It's broccoli. Moving on. Shiv, shivel, shivel, chivalrically. Shiv, shivarl, chivalrically. With chivalry. Why? Just with chivalry. Okay. <laughs> Chevrolet Malibu. Coming to you. Okay. Chevrolet. <laughs> Triumph. <laughs> and triumphed Chevrolet. <laughs> there we go. And continue. He says, "I've done some things I'm not proud of." One man tells me. Then he read the first Stormlight book, The Way of Kings, and now reformed. He has a two-year-old son named Kaladin, which I think, going off the article, is super cool. I think naming your kid Kaladin's, that's a great name. It's a great name. Naming it after someone who is going through depression and is someone you can look up to and his absolute amazing journey. So thus far, I won't give spoilers for the books, but also it's amazing. Kaladin is not weird enough that it'd be like off you know like where people name some people name their kid like seven i think or elon didn't elon name his kid like a based on a plane like an a7 yeah i'm like that's no that uh, kaladin's a fine (laughs) kaladin's honestly if your name's kaladin you get a leg up when you're going in elementary school people be like call you cal that's a fine name uh, just imagine you're out on the playground and it's like hey we're playing tag i don't i don't want to play tag why is that jeremy Kaladin's on the other team. Kaladin's about to beat my ass. You see how fast he is? It's Kaladin Stormblessed. It's just, that's a great name. All right, moving on. Jason continues to say, the second answer to why Sanderson is his worlds. This is probably what he's best known for. World building, as it's called. Sanderson dreams up far off land, sometimes cities, sometimes whole planets, with rules and systems and politics, and then he populates them with characters whose fates are also the world's. So the second answer is just the inverse of the first. You can't have world building without character building. Some characters die, some become gods, the good ones, and most of them are good, are very good, inspiringly good. No one has sex, they only save lives. Okay, we gotta talk about that. We gotta talk about that, (laughs) because he's saying this again in a very, very demeaning tone. I also, this is the evidence, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. that he hasn't read the books. Oh, go on, go on. Some characters die, some become gods. The good ones, mm. and most of them are good, are very good. Inspiringly good. Yeah. A war criminal. Yeah. An active war criminal. No, yeah, inspiringly good. No, it, the fact that. He's trying to impose that, oh, they're just almighty good guys and there's no flaws. Flaws or like. Oh, spoilers. Okay, I'm gonna kind I'm gonna of. I'm gonna bleep that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta bleep that. He just gave a spoiler spoiler. Okay. No no no, no spoilers, no spoilers. I'll try to, but if you read the books, no, they're not almighty good. They're good there are good characters there. No, it's not grim dark. But we got murderers, we got warmongers we got let's see uh people just come purely out for re- revenge and manipulating people to get what they want and that's the good guy i mean we have so many of those there's a ton I of don't examples think, i don't think he's actually read them and he might he be saying read this Wik- i think he read wikipedias of these books oh i don't think he actually read the books 
and he might be seeing this as a black and white. Like, yes, you know who to root for. He doesn't make the characters like it, it's not tough to decide who's the good guy and bad guy. It's not Game of Thrones. It's not Game of Thrones gray morals, but it's there are good guys and bad guys, and the good guys have flaws. Yeah, and they've done some bad stuff. So, anyways, yeah. he then, also says here as if this is a horrible thing. He says no one has sex; they only save lives. As if that's just <laughs> demonic. Like what? Okay, <laughs> so he doesn't write sex scenes. Fine. Okay. Do you, does all of your fantasy need smut in it? Like, it's a choice. Right. Yeah, it's actually, the whole cut to black. No, why not? No, seriously. When I watched Schindler's List the other day, I was like, why aren't there enough sex scenes in Schindler's <laughs> List? Seriously, that was my number one flaw. Okay, it's completely up to the director. It's completely up to the author whether you want to have sex scenes or not. And by saying they only save lives, if that, also just what is the take one, here? Factual, factually incorrect. The characters do have sex. It's just not, On you know, on page. In, it's not on yeah. page it's in page. detail. Like they're not doing that. Which was, which makes Sanderson's work great because you can recommend it to a broader audience as well. Yeah. And, and well, I think that's almost explicit. One for religious reasons. Yeah. Two, he does that. So yeah, the father can actually say, "Yeah, I want to indoctrinate my kid into the uh, stormlight." Where, yeah, of course. Yeah. If he wants younger audiences for families to actually share the stories with their kids, it's more accessible. Is the sex scene? really that necessary yeah seriously yeah all right jason continues by saying what nobody not a single person complains about in my two days walking the palace floors is sanderson's writing if they mention his sentences at all it's merely to acknowledge that they're easier to read which we we did allude to say tolkien's whose work they may well graduate to with sanderson's lighting the way Sanderson himself admits he was late to Tolkien, in whose shadow he now happily lives, even as he tries to write beyond it. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Still, I can't help but try to trip them up. Surely he's not a great writer, I prod, polite, embarrassed smiles. They're suspicious of me, I can tell. They probably think I don't know my Kaladin from my Adeline. I do. I even, li- I even like Kaladin. The scene midway through Way of Kings where Kaladin talks to a mysterious stranger, Itoid, on the Shattered Plains. A story doesn't live until it's imagined in someone's mind, Hoyd says. Do I know what that means? Not exactly. And that's exactly why I read science fiction and fantasy. Why I've pretty much only read science fiction and fantasy my entire life. For those plays at profundity, at the essence of storytelling. Storytelling beyond words. One, what kind of... What kind of fantasy fan and journalist goes around the conventions like mainly the fact that he says here um i'm trying to trip them up still i can't help but try to trip them up surely he's not a great writer i prod is he one of those shot and fighters people that doesn't like when other people like things like other people he's going to a convention where people clearly are huge fans of sanderson and it's trying to go like, ah. Oh, don't you hate his writing? Yeah. No. Like you get something. You're at the Sanderson convention. It's like you get something cathartic out of other people. Well, no. Nah. Here's the thing. Look. Yeah. I know that we, like, I may be accused of this kind of thing. We're kind of trying to lord over like, oh, you can't like, the, the, the prose is not good enough. And you, you need to have a higher quality of standard for the books. And we do all this whole rating stuff. But. Ultimately, when it comes down to the day, we're just reading how we feel about it. And if you enjoy something that we don't enjoy, that's fine. Glad you did. No, no, it's not. (laughs) 
I'll make I'll make a few exceptions to that, mainly for humor reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, you like what you like, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And us expressing that is fine. Like, we want to express what we feel about something and try and quantify it. But this Jason feels that he's trying to gatekeep this and say that you you shouldn't like it. That there's something wrong with you for liking because the prose isn't up to Tolkien standard. He's going in it more incorrigibly. He's not going in there with an open mind thinking, I genuinely want to know why do these people, I don't like it, Main, why do they like it? Mainly, he's looking at this as, I'm a real fantasy and sci-fi fan. They're wrong. Because I like, I like uh, the, the, the real classics. I only read the Tolkien's. I read these high, high phonetic prose. I hope this. his favorite author isn't. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tolkien because that would make me I, I don't want to have anything in common with him <laughs> I hope he hates Tolkien just because I don't also all the little things where he says like I do I read uh, my I've read the books I've read the way of kings it'll, I just don't believe him it's I like, think he looked it up mm. I think he just looked it up on the wiki hey quote rhythm of war and I'll believe you I don't know <laughs> alright Jason continues by saying but what am I saying good question Jason let's see what he is saying he continues and says, gibberish, most likely, and hypocrisies. Sanderson is a bad writer. I've already said it. Here at the convention, most of the panelists aren't even writers. People don't care about sentences. They care about Sanderson. I sit through multiple panels about the future of his publishing company, which is called, as the as is the convention, you'll note, Dragonsteel. Post-Kickstarter campaign, the company is now 50-something people slash Mormons... <laughs> Okay, well, we'll talk about... we got to talk about the Mormon stuff, too. Mormon Strong. This is the year of Sanderson, the panelists keep saying. Four new books with special swag for backers. New toys and sparkly bookmarks. Now they're talking about warehouse expansion efforts. Now they're talking about a possible future bookstore housed in a castle or something. When will the Dragonsteel Amusement Park be built, someone asks. a castle or something. It's just so dismissive, and I I can't keep saying the word enough. Snobbish. Snobbish. And he throws in Mormons in there a lot as an emphasis to where he, he clearly has a... Well, just saying to Jason, ahead, yeah. it's saying the word Mormon is insult enough. Yeah. He's clearly, he takes issue with just that. He uses it that as a derogatory word. Yeah. So just, he throws the Mormon in there constantly to be like, hey, remember, they're, they're Mormon. They're one oh, of them. Oh, look at them. Yeah. So Jason continues by saying, when will the Dragon Steel Amusement Park be built? Someone asks. The audience hoots. All this, I think to myself, is not the spirit of fantasy. If it's if if it's world building, it's only world building one thing: the world building, the Will Boulder's world. Oh, that was a tough sentence to say. Sorry. Uh, 
Well, it's not. It's just your poor reader. Wait a second. So you could have you could have actually made fun of Jason, who right now you hate. You could have yeah. said it was his fault, but instead, you said it was my fault because it was. But you said it like you could have. We could have had unity here. No, never. I can't. My job. My I, job is I, to insult you. I bet you, if this article writer Jason was in this room, you would still make fun of me more than him. Yeah, basically. I would do the same to you. So that's fair. Huh. I, I shaved my head because of all the balding jokes you, know you guys gave me. <laughs> I don't... The, my decision to go bald was mostly on his shoulders because I was going bald and I was getting mercilessly mocked for, haha, you're going bald, I see your bald spot, and so I shaved my head. That's right. Because of I, him. And I only dish it back because of him making fun of my parents' divorce and my insecurities <laughs> and how I can't have any we dairy. We make each and... other stronger. See, we, we show each other our weaknesses. I need to go call and my parents. jokes, we I make got, each other I, strong. I got to call my parents. I, gotta, I, gotta, <laughs> I, gotta, I missed them. <laughs> All right. uh, so that, that was a tough sentence to say. But that was on me. Something about world building. We'll move on. All well, right. no, the fact that he says that it's all of this, I think to myself, is not the spirit of fantasy. Oh, yeah. Not the spirit of fantasy to imagine yourself in a different world and to, you know, fall in love with the characters and the different cultures and the yeah. items and th- and to imagine. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not the spirit of fantasy at all. No. Terrible. Not, not one bit. And I can't believe these people... Nobody, re- nobody reads Tolkien and, like, dresses up about, you know, from their favorite characters. <laughs> or even imagines themselves in the world or writes maps or makes fan art of stuff that they... That's that's not what real fantasy fans do. Tolkien fans, they they know what it's about. Real fantasy fans write articles. They real, do. Real fantasy fans write articles. They write academic journals on the sentence structure and the rhythm and the the timbre of the tone. The timbre. <laughs> Honestly, you're one step oh, removed God. from him. You're one step removed from Jason. I'm just throwing words out. <laughs> is timbre? Is that like what? Is it's that a musical sh- term. Shortened of tambourine. Like what does that mean? N- no, it. Uh, from what I understand. Reading on, for Jason said. <laughs> okay. All right, what's it mean? I know you were, you were actually wanted to. Uh, I just thought it would be really mean it to do because you, you had a little glimmer in your eyes of like, oh, oh, I've never had to explain this, but okay, go ahead. Tan- so three days later, okay. I pull up and this. <laughs> just go on. Okay, Jason continues by saying, three days later, I pull up to Sanderson's built world. His home, sir, in a gated community of American Fork, Utah. There are three properties. On the left is the newest one, the subterranean man cave, unofficially known as the supervillain lair. Officially, the Antoinette Club. Oh, Ammonite Club. Ammonite. Ammonite Club. Complete with 28-seat industry caliber movie theater. Which is freaking awesome, by the way. I've seen it. It's like he's living the dream. Uh, Jason continues by saying, the middle structure is the Sanderson family manor where his three boys play. On the right is the Cosmere House, which serves as Dragonsteel's HQ. Props and merch and books for days. That's where I'm staying, specifically in the Elantra suite. It has cover art from the book on the walls, gold and silver, frilly things everywhere, and the world's best shower. Okay! By the way, all this, and he gets to stay in Sanderson's own home, his suite put up, and... And you know what's strange? Is he also saying this as a... So he's he's showing how flamboyantly Sanderson lives as if, look how rich he is and undeserving. Maybe that's the undertone Jason's going for. 
Or is he? Gen- I'm I'm generally going to assume that that's the take. Assume the worst, right? Well, no, he's already shown that if he can fit an insult in or he's spin it so. negatively, he will. If he's him saying the world's best shower, maybe him is going like, look at this. He he has the best everything, and he's this. And bad. he has such frilly things, yeah. and it has cover out of his own books. Right. Oh, how how egotistical he must be. Right. Okay. Jason then continues to say. I already knew about the shower because a few nights earlier, I'd gone out for drinks with a friend of Sanderson's I met at the con. After contextualizing Sanderson's success for me, basically, he gives fans exactly what they want. She insisted I stay a night in the Elantra suite. Are you, uh, and you have to try the shower, she said. I'll text him. The next morning, I woke up to an invitation from his assistant. Sanderson's assistant is his wife's sister. As I orient myself with the Cosmere house, I keep running into his nearest and dearest his doppelganger brother multiple siblings-in-laws neighbors people's children friends sanderson's formed a friends sanderson's formed a do you want me to take over <laughs> seriously i i can i can do it or you can make it bigger are you having trouble uh, the glasses don't help <laughs> make it a little bigger for you go on okay little, little three dots in the corner okay okay ah oh, where'd it go Where'd it go? Where'd it go? <laughs> Keep going. Uh, there we go. You're oh, here. Okay. You're here. Okay. Can you read it better now? Yeah. Yeah. You can make it a little bigger if you want. Can I start the paragraph over? You can go ahead and try. Okay. If you fail again, I'm reading. Okay. So, Sanderson's assistant is his wife's sister. As I orient myself with the Cosby house, I keep running into his within. ears. What? He said with. It's within. <laughs> As I orient myself within the Cosmere <laughs> I keep running into his nearest and dearest, his doppelganger brother, multiple siblings-in-laws, neighbors, people's children, friends Sanderson formed a writer's group with almost 30 years ago back in college at Brigham Young University when he was a nobody and worked the graveyard shift at a hotel so he could write the nights away. Dragon Seal is a company, one that's shaking up the book industry. It's also Sanderson's extended family. Okay, I think that was the first paragraph we got. Where I didn't see a bias of him saying, it was just information. So far. So far. Let's see where he goes with that. Next paragraph, Jason says. <laughs> also, I do want to note that that's more than halfway down into the article. Yeah. And that's the first time he mentioned the origins of Sanderson becoming a writer. That's a night shift, right? Yeah. Halfway down. Halfway down. Now he's getting into how Sanderson got started in becoming an author. It's about time. Right. Yeah, the too, fact that he too little, that, too late. <laughs> it took him that long. It, oh, I have nothing to write about. There was nothing interesting. Start with how he got started. Yeah, that, that, that's a great start. <laughs> okay, now Jason continues by saying the writers group still meets every Friday, which is what today happens to be. It's the most PG gathering of writer types I've ever been to. There are chips and sodas. Someone's baked an apple crisp before the meeting meetups kick off. I corner some regulars in the kitchen. They're gossiping, cracking jokes. One Dragon Seal's new head of narrative lets slip that Sanderson feels no pain. It's true, Sanderson's sister-in-law says. Even though he writes for eight hours a day on the couch, he has no backaches. The hottest of hot sauces cause scarcely a sweat. At the dentist, he refuses Novocaine for fillings. When I asked Sanderson later to confirm this, he does, but asks if I really have to print it. I'm sorry. I say, I really do. What? What? Richard, break that down. The break that down. First off, have to say, 
oh, it's so PG. Yeah, it's you're in the heart of Mormon country. No alcohol. Duh. Second, what the? Oh yeah, you really had to say that. Something you asked Sanderson that. Hey, hey, you mind if I? Uh, I need to confirm this really personal thing for you. And Sanderson says, "Oh, actually, that." That's a little, that makes me a little uncomfortable. It's a little too personal. Do you mind not printing that? Oh, no, I have to. I definitely have to do that. Was that paragraph that necessary? Oh, Sanderson has to, he, he denies painkillers for his teeth filling. Yeah, that was essential to get to the point of this article. This That was vital information. Richard, hear me out. Hear me out. Do you think that Sanderson picked up that this guy, Jason, was starting to get a little rude in person. Do you Day think, one. Do you think that Jason was visibly showing how pissed off he was to be there? Oh, day one. Has to, you, like, has to right? Like, the first dinner where he's like, so, uh, do people not write about you because you actually suck at writing? <laughs> I would think right... That was you forgot a huge detail. You can't don't don't do that, Richard. The floppy Chinese. You forgot the floppy Chinese. How'd you know I was going there? <laughs> <laughs> but no, right out of the gate, I imagine Sanders going, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be real fun for us." And he's tr- trying to show him around, hosts him at his house, shows him around, like invites him into his into his life, melts him into his family, and the guy is just constantly being antagonistic. Like how much? Also, will this, will this guy right be invited to, his, to other people's places for interviews? I don't think so. He really shouldn't. I can imagine, like, if he, I were if I were someone famous, eh. you look at this guy. It, he has a terrible track record. And honestly, just being not just rude in the article because that that's that's one thing. Like, it'd be one thing if he was kind in person, respectful. Didn't he wasn't really outwardly rude to Sanderson in his face, right, right. and then wrote this article. That's one thing. The more this article goes on, it sounds Jason was incredibly rude and disrespectful to Sanderson in person, constantly. At every turn, he's disrespectful and honestly just a real pain to be around. Why would you ever want this guy around you? I ask the same thing every day in front of you. Yeah, speak. you don't have a choice. That's the difference. Sanderson has a choice of who he lets around him. That's right. You do not. Moving on. Jason says the writer's group is standard stuff what's this character's motivation can the reader follow that fight sequence Sanderson gives feedback with half his brain the other half occupied with autographing books stop yeah talk about it bull bull no it you see it on his podcast where he actually does do uh, autographing it doesn't require half his brain it's when you've been autographing that long, it's automatic. That's a process. You're not thinking about doing those. You're just signing away and going. He does. He can actually speak very eloquently while doing this. He has a whole podcast with Dan Wells. Yeah. Where and he's constantly autographing stuff because he has thousands upon thousands to do, and his schedule is completely booked. Yeah. The the man has no time, no time, and you he makes the podcast. It's very interesting. You listen to him. There's not a point in that where you think, oh, I'm only getting half of his attention when he's talking. No, he speaks very eloquently. He actually fully forms his thoughts. He's not distracted. No. But, of course, you know, Jason has to take that dig there. Has to. 
And Jason continues and says, it's only afterward that the real talk happens, such as Star Wars debates. When those subside, I bring up the pain thing again. <laughs> what? Again? He's on the pain thing! Well, no, it's the one thing, like, the one thing Sanderson says, hey, please don't, please, that's a little, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you, you have talk to print that one, really? Please, yeah. please don't talk about that. That's too personal. And he brings it up again. <laughs> My God. And Jason continues by saying, turns out Sanderson doesn't seem to feel pain of any kind, even emotional. On roller coasters, he's dead-faced while his wife is shrieking. It's sick and wrong, she says, smiling. She likes to say she married an android. For his part, Sanderson actually, at this moment, looks pained. He might not feel, he says, but his characters do. They agonize and cry and rejoice and love. That's one of the reasons he writes, he says, to feel human. I I just want point out one with his wife actually making a little joke and says there for his part sanderson at this moment looked pained yeah who pained him jason who pained him who took a personal moment and made it increasingly uncomfortable for him and kept prodding where he was asked to please don't something that isn't relevant to your story at all to any degree, how is the fact that he cannot actually receive pain? Whatever. He has a low pain sense. Tolerance. No, it's the opposite. He has a high pain tolerance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's really relevant to his writing and his, his success as an author. No, it's just you being an ass. That's all it is. You saw, hey, look, I really need to get something juicy. What, what's annoying him? What can I really get an emotional negative reaction out of him? Oh, I'm going to hammer on that. I'm going to dig the knife in a little deeper. That'll get me a scoop. No, he's pained because you're an asshole, Jason. That's why. Now, we're probably around the halfway mark of this video. I just want to say, if you're still with us, comment down below saying, Sando rocks. Yeah? Is that a... Is that a... No, comment rocks stew. There we go. You know, this this is going to be our longest video yet, I think. And I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> and if this is too long for you guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Continuing on, Sanderson says, oh, not Sanderson says, where, where was I with this? But his characters do, they agonize. Okay. Jason continues by saying, the conversation eventually turns to a theme park called Evermore, located just down the street. Though unaffiliated with Sanderson, it's Sandersonian to the core. You show up, hang around taverns, and embark on quests. We have to go, I, I say, but it's falling apart, everyone groans. Someone to do, something to do with bad management. There's a four-hour YouTube video all about it. Still, Sanderson seems tempted. We leave it at that. I go back to the Lantra suite where I finally take that shower. There are multiple shower heads. I turn everything on. Water hits me from every angle. I don't cry, but I could. He does have a very... Jason has a, what, what would you say, a high, a low crying tolerance. Low crying tolerance. Yeah, I, I think just like how Sanderson is, has a high pain tolerance, I think Jason is far more prone to crying. That's what Jason was, says next paragraph. He says, I do cry the next night, my last in Utah. We're down in Sanderson's below-ground movie theater in plush red leather seats that not only recline, but also have adjustable headrests. He wants to show all the specs off, so he plays the opening scene of The Greatest Showman. 
I don't tell him that. While I like musicals, I hate The Greatest Showman. What do you like, Jason? What do you like, Jason? Wait, and he says, I'm quoting, this is the article, he says, and especially Hugh Jackman. The scene starts, the chair sh uh, shakes, and the otherworldly sounds when Hugh, lame Hugh, opens his mouth to sing, I can't help it, I burst into tears. Jason, I've had enough! <laughs> Who, what do you like? Who do you like? No, ultimately, it just comes, Jason's a weak person. And not weak physically, he weak mentally. He doesn't know how to actually be kind to people that he can't just, he can't actually stop the words coming out of his own mouth. He can't control himself. That's ultimately it. He can't, he breaks down crying. Huge, <laughs> I mean, later on, he says the actual reason why he cries. Let's, let's move on to, I'll continue at that point. Okay, then Jason. He doesn't cry because of Hugh Jackman. Okay, then Jason says, what's happening to me? This story isn't coming together. To my mind, I still haven't gotten anything real from Sanderson, anything true. I'm not the first person he has toured around his lair to politely gawk at his treasures and trophies and his hallway of costume stained glass renditions of his favorite books, Tolkien, Harry Potter, the, Bel the Belgariad. I'm certainly not the first person he has told about one... One favorite book in particular, Barbara Hamley's Dragon's Bane, which an English teacher put in his hand when he was 14, probably the day he became a fantasy writer, or how he first got published, or about the phone call he got from Robert Jordan's widow asking if he might finish the Wheel Time series. These stories are all over the internet, on his website, and many others. Sanderson has lived so much of his life and fame openly, self-promotionally. It's a major reason for his success. One woman I talked to at the con made sure to tell me which of Sanderson's pets was his, her favorite. It's Jello, the parrot. Now, commenting on this, Sanderson is a fantastic marketer, and yeah. he does so by he he credits this to his mother's an accountant. And I'm just proving I'm proving the point of I even know we we did a whole deep dive on Sanderson and looked into his whole life. It's so fascinating because everything's on the internet. He's very open, and his mother his mother's an accountant, I believe, and he says he gets that business sense from her. Mm -hmm. And then he has the other writing sense. Um, I'm not sure if he says it's from his dad, but he, he has the writing sense, but then also gets the business sense passed down from his mother. And that it's a perfect combination because he's both a creative and able to market himself and does a fantastic job with that. That's great. That's a great tool. But here's the point is Jason is crying because they're, because he, he's doing this whole interview and he can't think of anything juicy. He can't think of a juicy angle for his article. Wait, that's why he's crying? That's why he's crying, because the story isn't coming together. Wait, what? As it says, there, what's happening to me? This story isn't coming together. It, he's talking with Sanderson. Sanderson's being truthful, honest with him, open, sharing his home and his friends and family. And none of that is true to him. That Jason, there's not some deep-seated trauma that he can really exploit to get clicks on the internet for. Not some secret little, you know, dirt that he can find hidden. It's coming He's, together. He couldn't come up with a story. The whole thing, why is this so mean-spirited? It's because Jason doesn't have any creativity. He couldn't think of anything. He couldn't think of a creative way to actually tell this story, so the only thing he could do was be mean. He did. He took the laziest option there. That's what it is. I think I you have even, a good theory on this. Not only, and here's the thing: if Jason was correct on how he presented himself to Sanderson, he was a dick to Sanderson himself. Furthermore, beyond that, if that was all truthful, I don't really believe he's going out this out of his way to be mean because it's the only thing. It's he couldn't come up with anything. 
you, you might have a point there. He, he's genuinely crying because he doesn't have a story? Yeah. I, One, I, he's not, the fact that he's actually saying that is... You don't think he's being hyperbolic about it. You don't think he's exaggerating. This, I mean, guy's, this guy seems like he cries a lot. Oh, Jason, I wish you the best. All right. This next I don't. <laughs> Jason continues by saying, after I recover from Hugh in 4D, Sanderson collects his 15-year-old and we all drive to dinner. The time the food is, this time the food is better. Utah Japanese. Sanderson and I order ramen. He salts his. Then I watch his son salt his yakisa, yakisoba. 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 I could cry again. Instead, I ask Sanderson if he's ever so moved by a scene he writes that he cries. Sometimes, he says, though it might not be the scenes people expect. Also, the fact that, again, Jason could cry again at his, at Sanderson's son salting his yakisoba. And, and you notice how you said Sanderson collects his 15-year-old? Yeah, it, I also want to point out how awkward this must have been for Sanders himself. He's like, hey, check out my cool movie theater. Just check out the specs of this. I'm just going to put on some movie. Uh, Greatest Showman. And deep inside, you know, Jason goes, oh, I hate The Greatest Showman. Oh, it's Hugh Jackman. He's the worst. And oh, there's no there's no juicy drama to get on this story. And starts bawling in Sanderson's theater. And Sanderson just looking and going, seeing Jason, this guy invited to his home that has been a complete asshole to him this entire weekend, just bawling in his theater and going, uh, so dinner maybe? Let's get out of here. Like, maybe some Japanese or something. How awkward that must that be for him? <laughs> I So Sanderson responded to this, and we're going to get into that right after this article. Yeah. I, I just want to, I wish I could have seen Sanderson's face as he read this article. Yeah. We'll, we'll see is what he said, but I, I'm stunned. Someone that you let into your house and say all of this, and that's not the end of it. Here, here's where Jason keeps going. Jason continues by saying he won't say it. He won't say more, but it's something. This conversation from five months ago. Remember, I recall fairly clearly. We're heading towards something now, some kind of admission. I can feel it. When Mormons ask God for a sign, they speak of a burning in the bosom. Say you're a kid wondering if you should be a fantasy writer when you grow up. You might ask God what he thinks. If there's a burning in your bosom, that's probably a yes. So I press Sanderson on the moments he has felt the burning. He says they're too intimate, too special to talk about. That's fine. Then let's talk about Mormonism in another way. Let's talk about it as it relates to fantasy. Because it's no secret, Mormonism is the fantasy of religion. The, and this is in quotes, the, fa- the science fiction edition of Christianity, I've heard it called. With its angels and alternative histories, embodied gods, visions, and plates made of gold, I asked Sanderson if I've got the ultimate promise of the religion right. The ultimate promise being, as I understand it, that we humans will, if we're good, and marry well, and memorize the passcodes, eventually pass into the highest kingdom and come into our divine inheritance, will become gods, in other words, and get our own planets. Already, like, the fact that he went, like, oh, if we memorize the right passcodes... Honestly, I think, th- I think now is a good time to say this. We'll be open. If you've gotten this far Jesus. into the video, if you've gotten this far into the video, thanks so much. Remember, co- comment down below, rocks stew, if you made it this far. <laughs> and now we're going to get deep because we're so far into this video. You're, you're, you know, who cares now? Yeah. Get a little bit into religion. Just very, mm-hmm. very briefly. Richard and I are both, uh, I'm going to clarify this right after, agnostic, but seriously pursuing religion and very open. Like, tr- we... 
personally speaking, I know you're very similar. Yeah. You can jump in as well. Want to believe in God and are in a spiritual journey of like contemplating it and thinking it through. And it's a deep, it's a deep moment in our lives. We're, we're pursuing and thinking, but currently we don't have that faith. Yeah. So when we read Sanderson, we, we know he's Mormon. We've known he's Mormon in religious, religious point of views. Or first of all, we're open to all religions. I mean, that that's yeah. the first thing. But uh, as us being agnostics, I, I just, I can't see the perspective of seeing someone's faith and religion. And it comes back to the debate of separating the art versus the artist. First off, his books are not deeply like forcing a Mormon thing down your throat. Here's more, more, more. If you read his books, like sure, he's inspired by his, um, by his experiences and his thoughts, but they, there are stories that people can relate to about depression and multiple personality disorders and overcoming difficulty. There's so much, so many other things, but I know from Jason's point of view, he is probably not religious and he looks down at Mormonism, maybe other religions in such a snobbyish way as well of like, I, I know better. Look at this joke of a religion. And Mormons are made fun of a lot. It's a typical thing. And just, again, it just hammers home well, that, that point that Jason it, is vitriolic toward, toward him. Say that again? He phrases it such in such a condescending way right to his face. Yeah. It's like, oh, do I got it right? It's the fantasy of religious, the fantasy of Christianity, right? That's <sighs> a prick thing to say to someone's face. If you're trying to get them to open up to you, he, he's supposed to be a journalist. You're supposed to try and get something honest out of him. You're trying to coax him to come out of his shell and you go in just insulting his religion and his faith. It's it's especially worse that you're a journalist. It, you should be, assume, just as a human, you should be this, but assume the person you're talking to knows something you don't and yeah. come in with the open mind of, I may not agree with you religiously, I, very far from it. But maybe I can learn something about a Mormon. Something there. Clearly, he's a successful person. You were sent here to interview the person. Don't assume you have all the answers. Ask. Ultimately, it comes down to... Jason seems to really want the truth out of him. Really wants some, some juicy, intimate detail about Sanderson in his life. In what world would Sanderson actually divulge that kind of... That kind of personal information to Jason, who at every turn insults his faith, insults how he, uh, how he uh, feeds his kids, insults his way of living, and that he's a terrible writer. Why the hell would anybody talk about him? Constantly demeaning him right to his face and then prods where he is told explicitly, please don't talk about that because that makes, that makes me uncomfortable. And then keeps going in front of his friends and family. Why the hell would Sanderson actually open up to you, Jason? You've been... <laughs> Honestly, this is not even just you being an ass. It's just being a bad journalist. A journalist, an investigative journalist, you're supposed to actually get them to come out of their shell. Why the hell would you be hostile to the person right to their face? If you want to do that in the article afterward, that's fine. But honestly, it just seems like poor tact to actually get what you want. Jason, if you wanted to actually get the truth out of him, you would be kind, respectful, and actually get him to open up to you and show that you're a person worthy of trust. That's the whole point of you standing, staying an extended period of time with him, is do you actually grow some type of bond so he opens up to you? But you insult him at every turn. Of course he didn't open up to you. Honestly, it's not just being a dassel, it's just being a bad journalist. 
And that's what makes it even worse. He is a journalist and he's not doing his job, let alone forget yeah. being a human for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you were specifically set out to do this and you're doing it incorrectly. Yeah. And continuing, Jason says, Sanderson doesn't balk at the characterization. He agrees that's the gist and he knows where I'm going. He knows I want to know if what he's doing, writing fantasy books, is fundamentally in some way, some very central way, Mormon. Of course it is, he says. The world building, the gods incarnate, the systems of magic. So much of Mormonism is about rules. So are his books, where miracles don't happen unless you put in the work. That's when, between mouthfuls of pork cutlet, Sanderson makes the connection between his work and the work of his heavenly father explicit. This is when he speaks the seven words of truth, the only ones I'm certain he has never said in quite this way ever before. As I build books, Sanderson says, as I sit there for once entirely enraptured, God builds people. And Jason continues by saying, we descend on one final word. After dinner, it's time for evermore, the rundown theme park. The night is misty and cold, caliginous. I don't know how to say that word. I remember one of Sanderson's friend friends saying that the park is open only open at night to conceal the decay. I believe it. As we walk around, Sanderson narrates. Those are the bad prosthetics. That's half a costume. Should there be more skeletons in this dungeon? At least the apple cider is good. He gets recognized by everybody. I guess that's inevitable when you go to a fantasy land with a fantasy legend who has literally just purchased a $5 million plot of land across the way for who knows how for who knows what world-building reasons. Sanderson's son and I start keeping a silent tally. Every time a new fan walks over, we hold up fingers behind Sanderson's back. We quickly run out of fingers. One girl says she wants to take Sanderson's writing class at BYU when she grows up. Surprising number of guys ask for autographs for my girlfriend. Lots of people have already finished the latest book, which came out, like, yesterday. Okay. So, we see clearly the article now. It's the article's titled, Brandon Sanderson is Your God. He's connecting the Mormonism to his works. He's taking every angle he can to make fun of his writing. That fans, that. It, he mocks Mormonism and the religion, mm-hmm. and thusly mark, uh, mocks the people who are fans of Sanderson, treating them the same like You fans of Sanderson are just like the idiot Mormons that I also mock. That's effectively it. He, he just basically looks down upon both sets both groups and this is the the end of the article here and then we're going to get into the reactions to it buckle in guys sorry this is going long i hope you're enjoying all right so jason continues by saying sanderson shines in these situations he's your god but he's your friend too he's also unafraid to drop his hints about future projects he does this to me at certain points will they ever make a big movie version of one of your books i ask him in the fairy garden sanderson makes meaningful noises even though your systems of magic seem unfilmably complex. More meaningful noises. Everything's been optioned, he says, but then things revert and discussions continue. I suspect there will be big, big announcements soon. There have to be. Sanderson is bigger than ever. A good writer? Who knows? What I do know now is this. So many of us mistake sentences for story, but story is the thing. Things happening, characters changing, surprise endings. They drive us back to the house drop off the kid, and then stay in the car with Sanderson a bit longer, talking about life, talking about worlds, my ending takes shape. The surprise is that it was Sanderson's ending all along, the ending of his best books. A character becomes a god, and the god beholds his planet below. If Sanderson is a writer, that is all he is doing. He is living his fantasy of Godhead on Earth. 
that is the end of the article. Yeah, for someone who talks about how Sanderson's a poor writer, this whole article is unnecessarily long, meandering. It's repetitive, frequently. It goes off to non-sequiturs that don't relate to his point. He tries to sound like he's a good writer, and he's just not. He's not as good as writer as Sanderson. So what he, it's a lot of this comes off as envy. The first person I want to show, we're going to show one tweet, one reaction okay. tweet. We interviewed Brian McClellan a couple weeks ago. Great episode. Go check that out if you haven't. He's a fantastic dude. And he was very gracious to come on. He's the author of Promise the Blood, of course, and he's a best friend of Sanderson. Mm-hmm. And so here's what Brian McClellan, author Brian McClellan, tweeted out. He said, there's an article about Brandon Sanderson in Wired today, and the only thing I learned from it is that the author of said article is a total a-hole. Is this really pretending to be good journalism? The article aims to insult Brandon personally at every angle, but also go after the entire epic fantasy genre in some kind of weird elitist power play. Gag. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, well said. It, it's very elitist. It's very much looking looking at it from some kind of relating Sanderson's work to first off the writing's bad characters that that means the people who follow him are just stupid and making fun of the religion and look at all these sub sub whatever look at these look at these stupid mouth breathers yeah. and, and now I've been excited to Here, get let, into, let me read this one okay you read this one I've been excited to get into this this is Sanderson's response to this egregious article let's see what he said you ready Right. It out loud, so Rich. Sanderson uh, commented on Reddit here on the Wired article. All, I appreciate the kind words and support. Not sure how or if I should respond to the Wired article. I get that Jason, in writing it, felt incredibly conflicted about the fact that he finds me lame and boring. I'm baffled how he seemed to find every single person on his trip, my, fam- uh, my friends, my family, my fans, to be worthy of derision. But he also feels sincere in his attempts to try to understand. While he legitimately seems to dislike me and my writing, I don't think that's why he came to see me. He wasn't looking for a hit piece. He wasn't looking to explore the world through his writing. In that, he and I are the same person, and I respect him for it. Even if much of his tone seems quite dismissive of many people and ideas I deeply care about. The strangest part for me is how Jason says he had trouble finding the real me. He says he wants something true or genuine, but he had the genuine me all that time. He really did. What I said apparently wasn't anything he found useful for writing an article. That doesn't make it not genuine or true. I'm not offended that the true uh, me bores him. Honestly, I'm a guy who enjoys his job, loves his family and is a little obsessive about his stories. There's no hidden trauma, no skeletons in my closet, just a guy trying to understand the world through story. That is kind of boring. From an outsider's perspective, I can see how it is difficult to write an article about me for that reason. But at the same time, I'm worried about the way he treats our entire community. I understand that he didn't just talk about me, but about you. As as has been happening to Fantasy Fan for years, the general attitude of anyone writing about us is that we should be ashamed for enjoying what we enjoy. In that, the tone feels like it was written during the 80s. 
Look at these silly nerds liking things. How dare they like things? Don't they know the things they like are dumb? As a community, let's take a deep breath. It's all right. I appreciate you standing up for me, but please leave Jason alone. This might feel like an attack on us, on you, but it's not. Jason wrote what he felt he needed, and as a writer, he is my colleague. Please show him respect. He should not be attacked for sharing his feelings. If we attack people for doing so, we make the world a worse place, because fewer people will be willing to be their authentic selves. That said, let me say one thing. You, my friends, are not boring or lame. In Going Postal, one of my favorite novels, also same for me as well, <laughs> side note, Sir Terry Pratchett has a character fascinated by collecting pins. Not pins like you might think. They aren't like Disney pins or character pins. They are pins like tacks used to pin things to walls. Outsiders find it difficult to understand why he loves them so much, but he does. In the book, pins are a stand-in for collecting stamps, but also commentary on the way we as human beings are constantly finding wonder in the world around us. This is part of what makes us special. The man who collects those pins, Stanley Howler, is special, because, in part because of his passion. And the more you get to know him, or anyone, the more interesting you find them. This is a truism in life. People are interesting. Every one of them. And being a writer is about finding out why. In that way, the ability to make Stanley interesting is part of what makes Pratchett a genius, in my opinion. That's writing. Not merely using words. It's what I aspire to be able to do. People are wonderful, fascinating, brilliant balls of walk walking contradictions, passion, and beauty. I find it an exciting challenge to make certain that the perspective of the washwoman or the monk sitting and reading a book is as interesting in a story as that of the king or the tech mongol. Mogul. Mogul. Thank you. And I find value in you. Your passion for my work is a big part of why I write. You make my life special. Thank you. Post note, I do want to make it clear again that I bear Jason no ill will. I like him. Please leave him alone. He seems to be a sincere man who tried very hard to find a story, discovered that there wasn't one that interested him, then floundered in trying to figure out what he could say to make deadline. I respect him for trying his best to write what he obviously found a different, difficult article. He's a person, remember, just like the each of us. Okay. Oh, that, that's so, a very conversation. So, so ultimately, take, very much taking high ground, very much being kind about it. I don't think us commenting on it is particularly attacking him. I'm not going to tweet at him. I'm not going to directly, but given again, like everyone, saying what we think, uh, and there's also, nothing wrong with that. I also repeat, hey, Jason, do wish you the best. Like, I don't wish ill harm on you. Of course, we did. I did enjoy spending this podcast. It, it made me think as well about reviews and where we are. From Sanderson's article there, what do you think about his response? It's definitely a take the high road response. Yeah. It is one, the better person's response. Yeah, it's yeah. The Mormon response, to actually put it, is to actually be kind. Take, take the high road. He doesn't need to get down and dirty with it. And because Sanderson knows he has a big following... If he responded in kind and similar to Jason, it would it would bring this horde of fans on him. And Sanderson knows he can't do that. He can have his own personal thoughts and feelings, but he really shouldn't share that because of that risk. Yeah, Sanderson has a huge responsibility too, as yeah. someone with so many fans. 
going to attack them. Which to make, to is make one clear of, from it's one of our yeah. It's one of our uh, privileges of being a small YouTube channel is we don't have the same responsibility that Sanderson does. And, and also this this whole reaction to his stuff as well. Please do note: um, don't attack Jason. Okay, I can't say that. Oh I can't. God. That's a joke. That's a joke. YouTube, it's a joke. stop it. No. Listen, listen. Please. I swear. It's a joke. It's a joke. Can you even make that kind of joke? I don't no, know. No, you can't. I can't? You, you're legally. No, no, don't. Like, seriously, bleep that out. Uh-uh. Okay. YouTube, don't mess around with those jokes. I'll bleep that out. It was a complete joke. So... No, don't. Oh. Obviously, we're not promoting. Go, don't go like give Jason. A no, hard honestly, time. don't. Jason, even... listen. J- we have horrible takes too. Every now and then, um, Jason's was clearly mean spirited. It's his opinion. It was fun to react and talk about it in the community. I second what Sanderson says. Like, hey, Jason, wish you the best. It's not like he did something immoral. It's not like he went and doing. Yeah, it's no. an opinion. He said words, and it's fun to talk about, and it's interesting, and it's he got us to read his article. So you you did your job well. Oh no! Getting it, us to do in that. all honesty, I so, bet that he has this article has more traction from the fantasy community because of the way he yeah. wrote it than if he did just a kind of normal piece. If he didn't yeah. take such a mean spirited route, I bet a lot less people would talk about it. I probably wouldn't talk about it if it was just a normal article. Yeah, and I generally mean this. Him writing that article, I'm super interested in. If I could ever talk to Jason, oh, that would be a great conversation. I mean, sort of write that. What, oh, what's no. the what's the uh, typical comment about like Hollywood and fame is like all news. All press is good press. All press is good press. Yeah, I think Jason went down that route. Yeah, and it was it made it makes you think. I, I want to ask you this directly because you commented mm-hmm. on this before the pod. How does this change the way? How does this, how did this article change the way that you see reviewing stuff on this channel? <laughs> did it change well, anything at all? A little bit. Yeah, I never I. If I am viewed as someone akin to Jason, I think I'm doing something wrong. I think it's, we need to make that a gag. Every review in the future, you start to get a little bit too pretentious. A, a little like, bit. All right, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, a lot of the pretentiousness is a joke. Like, it, oh, it is. It, is, it, it yeah. most like I don't actually believe that. Like, you can like what you like, and that's great. It, not everything's for everyone. That's that's the most part. But mm. I also don't want to be has mean spirit and critical about authors when talking about like there's plenty of authors I don't particularly like their books but Jason kind of showed me I really do need to be careful on separating yes aspects of a book I don't particularly appreciate or like as much versus the author themselves yeah there are some authors that maybe deserve certain criticism and the context is necessary I can even think of specifically in this case Orson Scott Card um, him being a Mormon is actually relevant to one in one of his stories in particular, the Alvin Maker series, which is directly linked to um, Joseph Smith and a lot of the a, a lot of the history of the Church of Latter Day Saints. It's not just loosely inspired; it's kind of directly inspired a lot of it, and could be classified in the technical terms of Mormon propaganda. Not in like propaganda as a negative way. It's just it's promoting Mormonism, or so. That's where a, an author's backstory is kind of relevant to discussing a story, but it doesn't mean Orson Scott Card is a bad person because I don't like his book, or it's not really relevant to comment like oh, you know he salts his food weird or it kind of insult him and his family and call him lame. 
it's really just not productive or respectful to do so. Well, very well said. And that that is something about think about how we review things in the future. I think we have a very a very good spot right now. We are we are not too, we are not even close to being large enough to be to have an opinion about ourselves like it's important. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> we can still we can still not take ourselves seriously whatsoever. But we have a platform enough for it's like, hey, you five who made it to the end of this video are like, hey, sup? If you guys watch the end of this video, you clearly like listening to us talk. If you want to support us, you can actually go down to the description below to check out our Patreon. We have a monthly book club where we actually talk about a book once a month and we also have a movie watch party we do once a month there it's a great way to support us it's a lot of fun in a private discord go ahead check us out and my goodness this has been a long one i'm curious to see how long it'll be on youtube uh thank you guys for watching so long hope you enjoyed more to come bye-bye y'all bye-bye Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.